Well, we are jumping into 2 Peter, and uh, as 1 Peter was really his instruction to the early church, understanding as a Christian under persecution how to live faithful to Jesus still while facing pressure and struggles, and we all related to it. We might not be afraid for our lives. We still are a country that we can worship Jesus freely, but as a culture continues to be so... Uh, against the ways of Jesus, it can feel like we're being persecuted just by the culture, being so hard against what um, the word of God says in Jesus's ways are. Second Peter's a little bit different though, and he's talking about um, understanding uh, a little bit of end times, but a little bit understanding prophecy and a little bit of how to faithfully live as a Christian. Faithfully live as a Christian. And so, uh, Second Peter chapter 1 is that. I've got a question, though, for you. And it's something I've been um, maybe not struggling with. I've just kind of been ruminating on a little bit is in Paul's writing to the Philippian church in, or Philippi, the church of Philippi. In Philippians 2, 12, it says this, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. You know, here at Grace Capital Church, we, we say that we're getting you ready to meet Jesus face to face. And it sounds like, are we, are, is everybody just going to die here? No, but we know that Jesus is coming back, whether it's in our lifetime or not, but we need to be living prepared for his return. But at some point in time, we will die and we will then meet Jesus face to face. And, and, and I feel like it, I, I want you to be prepared to say like, Jesus, I've been faithful. I, I've run the race well. I... I have attained the prize that you had set out for me. But so this, this idea, so when we say there's three things, we're, we're reaching the lost. You guys are, right? We're all doing this together. We're reaching people who don't know Jesus. We're, we're caring for the least of these, which you're doing so well through your transformation grants. And you're just doing that in life, caring for the needs of people around you. And then you're training the found. And uh, many of you are life group leaders. Uh, you're choosing to be a disciple yourself, plugged into life groups. Um, and then our kids ministry workers, I, I just want to brag on our kids ministry. We're growing and expanding. Yeah, we'll give our kids ministry volunteers a big hand. They might not be all in the room right now, but man, and Laura, who is, uh, serving as our kids ministry director, she's knocking it out of the park and you've got a great team, uh, with Carrie as a next gen director too. I'm just like so proud of this team. You guys are so blessed as a church to have these people uh, serving our families. So this, this work out your salvation with fear and trembling. So, because uh, I feel like sometimes we come to Jesus and we, we get saved and we are so happy that Jesus has rescued us from our own sin, our own foolishness, and he removes our guilt and shame. And then, and then it's kind of like, oh, I feel great. But then you just go on living life maybe not quite as bad as you were, but you're just kind of like not as intentional as maybe you should be. So this idea of what does this mean to work out your salvation with fear and trembling? What does it mean? And if Paul is telling us that, that means there must be something else we need to do besides just giving our life to Jesus. And Peter, Second Peter addresses that. So we're going to start and we're going to go through this like our uh, we have been just kind of verse by verse, line by line, as much as we can. So here we go. Simon Peter, a servant, an apostle of Jesus Christ. And interestingly, he, he names himself Simon Peter, 
probably remembering his life before he was named Peter. He was, his birth name was Simon, and then he had this name that Jesus gave him as Peter. Upon this rock, I'll build my church, is what Jesus um, said about Peter. Uh, to those who have obtained a faith of equal standing with ours by the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Here, he, immediately, he's beginning to put the authority of who Jesus is. He's calling him God, right? So he's understanding who the Trinity is, that, that the righteousness of God and Savior, Jesus Christ. So there's God and Jesus, but Jesus is God. We're not going to go into that, but his authority. May grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. It's interesting. We, we can just read that scripture and just gloss over some words, but can, can I tell you some two probably the most important words that Peter starts his letter off to, to this church? Grace and peace. Do you understand that God gives you grace, right? He, he is... His grace is sufficient for you. In other words, we don't necessarily deserve it, but he gives it to you. And, and when he does, peace comes to you. In this world that is, I, I tell you, struggling to find peace, we, we as followers of Jesus need to model what it means to live unanxious. Now, I'm not saying that we don't face, as we heard um, with worship today, Sarah, that, that people face anxiety, but that's, that's a medical thing. But, but when we know she could proclaim who God is and that gives her peace, you know, that description of holding that child that just rests on it. Like she knows who God is right in the midst of feeling like, I feel like anxious. She can still have peace. Like all of us can still have peace in the midst of difficult times, but it, it comes only through, right? the knowledge of God and of Jesus, our Lord. That's why when people say, hey, I'm a religious person, I, I'm like, okay, are you religious or are you following Jesus? There's a big difference because when you follow Jesus, these are the things you get. You get, you get joy, you get peace, you, you have this assurance, you're religious that becomes about duties and rights and wrongs and that doesn't produce life. So verse three, his divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence by which he has granted to us precious and very great promises so that through them you may become partakers of divine nature. Divine power he starts off with. So again, he, he puts Jesus not just as a great prophet, not just as a good man and a good teacher, but understanding that he comes from God. He is divine and his divine power has granted things to us. Don't you like that idea? That in his power, his divine power, not earthly power, his divine power has granted, in other words, I give it to you, I grant it to you, all things that pertain to life and godliness. So there's some things that he wants to give you. One, life. Things that produce life in, in, in you. What are the things that give you life? God wants to grant that to you. And we know life eternal comes from, through Jesus Christ only. He is the, one, the only one who can grant that to you. 
And that's why, again, when he went to the cross and then descended to hell, stole the keys uh, of life and death from Hades, or actually death, basically saying that, you know what, he conquered all of that. And now he gives us, he has the authority to give us life and life everlasting. Anybody say amen to that one? So he's giving us great promises so that through them you may become partakers of his divine nature. Um, We are actually, this journey that we're to be on is to become Christ-like. Now we will never fully, uh, Jesus was sinless, right? We know that. He was the perfect sacrifice for us. And, And yet though, this is our journey it's, it's another word of sanctification is this process to become more like Jesus. And so we're on this journey, but yet he's given us, he's granted us the ability to have this same divine nature. Having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desires and or other, other, thing, other translations say sinful lusts, you know, our flesh lusts after things, and all it does, that leads us to um, pain and sorrow and ultimately death. And he's saying, no, 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 I've given you this divine nature so that you don't have to live that any uh, longer, that you can now live a different way. And now he's going to say, here's the way to live. So remember, he says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Here's the work it out. You ready for a workout? Yeah. Okay. All right, I was trying to think how we're going to work out, but no, we're going to read this and it's going to be a spiritual workout for us. All right, for this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue or that word virtue is excellence. Now, this interesting, he says, supplement your faith. First of all, the faith that you have is, is not yours. God is, it's the faith that God has given you. He's deposited that in you. So you don't don't need to work for your faith. Your faith is a free gift, right? The the gift of Jesus Christ. That's your faith. Now he's saying, now once you have faith though, now here's some things you need to add to your faith. Virtue, excellence. Now that's left up for interpretation. What, What does he mean? Just so we're supposed to be excellent people? What does that mean? I think you could probably make the connection as you read on further that he wants us to be excellent in the gifts that God has given us, part of his divine nature, part of, of who he's made us to be. And this is why I like in our, in our membership class, we take a spiritual gift survey because we find out the way that God has uniquely made each person. God has uniquely put gifts inside of you that he wants you to use in an excellent way. I think it's too easy. We can just get preoccupied with life and work and what have you, raising families and not realizing the gifts that God has given you. We put it on a shelf and then I would say we're not being excellent in that. We're just kind of putting it on a shelf or we, we don't pursue the gifts that God has given us. Excellence in the things that God has given you. Now with virtue, Now he's saying knowledge, knowledge in what? Is he talking about that we need to all go back to school? We need to continue to pursue our education. And the kids all said, no, I hope not. By the way, welcome back to school, um, all you kiddos. You doing all right? Doing all right? Back to school? 
I'm proud of you guys. Keep it up the good work. Be diligent. But this, love you, Nate. And by the way, this is what you are to work through. The knowledge is the knowledge of Jesus Christ. I think he's wanting you to pursue him in greater ways, to know him. How do you do that? Pray. Read his word. Be in the fellowship with other believers. That's why I so believe in life groups. If you are not in a life group, I don't believe that you can grow the way that God has intended you to grow. We need to be in community together. Next week will be your last time to sign up for, uh, for that. You can check out what we're offering um, this week by just going online. But So virtue, excellence in your gifts, knowledge of who Jesus Christ is. Pursue that, he's saying. Pursue that. And then, here we go, adding with, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue, virtue with knowledge, knowledge with self-control, self-control, that is an interesting word, self-control. I think sometimes as Christians, we say like, well, the Holy Spirit will help me. He does. He helps you in your weakness. That's scriptural. But I think we cop out and say, well, the Holy Spirit has the one has to do all the work. Self-control is self, you control yourself, (laughs) right? Self-control. Not like, oh, I I didn't really have a a lot of control on that, you know, and the Holy Spirit didn't really help me. Don't blame the Holy Spirit. He will help you as you learn to discipline yourself to have self-control. All right. Supplement your faith with virtue, virtue with knowledge, knowledge with self-control, self-control with steadfastness, steadfastness. One of the things that I've been so impressed about you, as I've heard your stories, as I know what some of you are going through, is this church is marked by steadfastness. I've seen how there's been a lot of challenges in your life, but you keep standing on the rock of Jesus Christ and you're steadfast that you don't like fall off the, the wagon or you don't like ditch your faith and, but you're authentically real in your struggle, but you stand steadfast in your faith with Jesus Christ, knowing who he is, that he's gonna get you through it. So I commend you, Grace Capital Church, you are steadfast, well done, well done. Keep it up, I know it's hard. And steadfastness with godliness. So godliness is, he, that's, that's what he wants us to be in the image of Jesus Christ. You wanna know what godliness is? Study who Jesus is, that's godliness. How he conducted himself, how he cared for people, um, how he disciplined himself. Okay, with godliness, with brotherly affection, and with brotherly affection, with love. Uh, we, we hit on those a couple of weeks ago. You guys are excelling in that. You, you can look me right in the eye now as a guy, and you say, I love you, Mark. You guys are awesome. You guys are awesome. I'm still growing in that one, though. Um, and it's the way we care for each other. And, and this church, you're doing a great job. I'm so, I'm so proud. Okay. For if these qualities are yours and increasing, can you say increasing? So you can't just go on autopilot cruise control. Your speed needs to keep getting higher. 
You need to get a speeding ticket. Not really. No, but you need to be increasing in these things. In other words, you keep working it. You've got to keep going after it because you get lazy in those areas. And guess what? We know that we have an enemy, right? He wants to take us out. And so the moment we take our foot off the pedal is the moment that beware. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Ineffectful, ineffectual, oh, let me say that again. Uh, how do you say, yeah, ineffective and unfruitful. I was trying to combine both those words. That would not be good. Ineffectful. In <laughs> All right. You know what I'm saying? You have your Bibles. You can read it yourself. You guys, you know what that says. Thank you. <laughs> I, I need it. I need it. Okay. So here we go. But, but in what way? In the knowledge. So this goes back to answer what is knowledge, right? So it's not book smart. You, we want to be effectual. Now the positive and fruitful in the knowledge of Jesus Christ. Why? When we know him, then when the trials come, we are steadfast. When temptation comes, we have self-control because we know him and we know his spirit. And we know how to conduct ourselves with brotherly affection or sisterly affection, right? In a way of building up the church and not tearing people down and not gossiping, right? We know because we know who Jesus is. For whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he is blind, having forgotten what he was cleansed from, from his former sins. This idea of nearsighted and almost saying you're blind, it's almost like, um, it reminds me of a scripture that says, in the last days, people will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, so on and so forth, right? Lovers of themselves. I think in a culture, we're very self-focused, right? And I think when we start taking our eyes off of God, we start taking our eyes off of Jesus, we start taking um, our, stop pursuing the things of him, we become very nearsighted, almost blind to the fact that maybe all we see is just ourselves, right? And, and we're so nearsighted, we just look at ourselves all the time. And he's saying that's where it's dangerous. And that's where you forget where he's taken you from. He saved you out of that miry pit that we all were in until we found Jesus. Therefore, brothers and sisters, be all the more diligent to confirm your calling and election. For if you practice these qualities... You will never fail. So one, he's saying increase in them, but then he's also saying practice. I love the word practice because it means you're not perfect. It means you can practice them and fail, right? If you're in a sporting team, you go to practice. It doesn't mean when you show up to practice, you're going to be perfect. No, that's why you're practicing. Or if you're a piano player, you practice your scales. You're going to mess up a few times, but you keep working it. Keep working it. You practice them. You practice them. So if, you're fail, if you fail this week, don't worry. Get back on. Get back on track. And just say, you know what? That was a pretty good practice. I just failed right there, but I'm going to get back on and I'm, I'm going to work at it again. You know, the other thing about confirming your calling, I'm mindful of this um, scripture. In Romans, we know Romans 8, 28, 
but do we remember what Romans 8.29 is? Romans 8.28, all things work together for good. Uh, those were called according to his purposes. But Romans 8.29 says this, for those he foreknew, he predestined to be conformed into the image of the Son. So this idea that he knew us before, that's where predestination comes because he can see from the beginning to the end and he knows from the beginning to the end who's going to choose him. But the purpose is to be conformed into the image of a son. I think when people say, what is my purpose? What is my purpose? I, I would just say there's a lot of things, but it's like, yes, we can say the three things at Grace Capital Church, reach lost, care for the least, train the fountain. But the essence as a follower of Jesus, your main purpose is to look like Jesus, is to be conformed into his image. And that's the pursuit. And he gives you the, the things that we should be pursuing right here in 1 Peter. We're coming, we're coming home real fast here. Therefore, I intend always to remind you these qualities. Though you know them, you are established in truth that you have. I think it right as long as I'm in the body to stir you up um, by the way of reminder. Since I know that the putting off of my body will soon be, in other words, he's gonna, he feels like he's going to die soon. He's writing this. I says he's probably going to die soon. As the Lord Jesus Christ made clear to me, actually he did. Jesus actually prophesied in John that um, Peter would also um, die like the way Jesus did. He was martyred, Peter was. It says, and I will make every effort so that after my departure, you may be able at any time to recall these things. So in other words, it was important enough for him to not only say them to a group of people, but he wrote them down in a letter to say, go back and remember these things. Now I would encourage you, this is the application for you today is, is take second Peter, open the good book, the Bible. And leave it open, Second Peter, on your table, somewhere where you're going to see it, on your desk. And throughout the week, read those things he's saying that he wants you to practice and increase in, which is virtue, knowledge, excellence, self-control, steadfastness, godliness, brotherly and sisterly affection, and love, right? He wants you to practice those things. Then he closes this first chapter by, um, by saying this, uh, verse 16, for we did not follow cleverly devised myths when we made known to you the power and the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For when he received honor and glory from God, the father, the voice was born to him by the majestic glory. This is my son, this is my beloved son with whom I am pleased. He's referring to the time that the, uh, on the Mount of Transfiguration when um, Peter and John and Jesus went up to a mountain together and Jesus was um, transformed into this glorious light and he met with, who was it? Moses and Elijah? Is that right? I think so. And and he said, hey, I was an eyewitness to these things. He is divine. He is who he says he is. You should listen to his teaching. You should live his teaching. You should model your life after him. 
So again, he's reestablishing the authority that he has as an apostle, but saying, I'm an eyewitness. I saw it. He says, we ourselves heard this very voice born from heaven, for we were with him on the holy mountain. And we have a prophetic word more fully confirmed to which you will do well to pay attention as a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. Know this, first of all, that no prophecy of scripture comes from someone's own interpretation. For no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but man spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Do you realize how many scriptures were speaking to Jesus's arrival to earth, his first arrival? 332 references to Jesus's coming, prophetic. Let me just also talk about prophecy for a minute because we are a spirit-filled church. We would believe in the uh, prophetic here at Grace Capital Church. That the word a prophetic word, God just does not speak to just one person. If you have somebody says, thus saith the Lord, and nobody else is confirming it, I would say, can we just pray on that one for a little bit? <laughs> but there's power in a prophetic word. There's power in understanding the season, the times that we're in. There's power in, in human receiving a divine revelation from God and speaking it out. But it needs to be confirmed. It needs to be confirmed by two ways. One, I would say first and foremost, it needs to be confirmed by the scripture, word of God. There's no word that ever, that is a genuine prophecy that comes from, that does not align with God's word. Anything that contradicts God's word, that's not, it's not from God. The Bible says in the last days, there'll be many false prophets. There'll be many who will try to deceive even the elect, it says, even the elect would be you and I, the church. So I guess Peter was also then just saying he was confirming that what he's saying is true because it's confirmed by scripture 320, uh, 332 times. So Peter was confirming what it took place with Jesus' arrival. But I would say the application for us also is Make sure that we are attuned to knowing what is true and why it's so important that you need to understand the scripture yourself. Because if somebody says, you know, I just heard the Lord say, and, and you don't know the scripture, and you don't have somebody else to confirm that with you, it would be really easy to, to you to believe something that's false. And, and I don't want any one of you to be led astray by some false teaching. So it's really important that you are in your Bibles. And you are, of course, this week anyways, because this was my challenge to you, is you're going to open to Second Peter. In a physical Bible, remember, we have Bibles. They keep coming and going. Now, the new Bibles arrive every Sunday. Um, you can, at the Info Hub, you can leave a Bible and take a Bible. And if you have extras or if you don't have one, Make sure you walk away with a Bible so you can open it up to 2 Peter and read those things and ask the Holy Spirit to do a work in your life, to become more like Jesus, 
to supplement your faith with virtue or excellence using the gifts that God has given you, with knowledge and knowledge with self-control and self-control with steadfastness and steadfastness with godliness and godliness with brotherly and sisterly affection and brotherly and sisterly affection with love. And if you do these things in increasing measure and you practice them and when you mess up, it's okay. Keep practicing. The scripture says you'll never fail and that he'll have made a path for you, a straight path where you can experience everlasting life with a father who loves you through Jesus Christ, our Savior and King. Thank you so much for watching us online. We're so glad that you joined us. We trust that Jesus has spoken to your heart and you've been challenged by his word. If you'd like to know more information about Grace Capital Church, please visit us at gccnh.com. We'll see you next time.